I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. Mike, my life is a disaster. Yep. Can you please come down from the heavens with your wisdom of organization and help me turn things around? You know, I was thinking like, you know, test drivers, there's obviously a lot of like car analogy just right in the in like that in the in the idea of the show. But I guess right. it's also kind of like a mechanic y type of fixing type thing. Oh. So that's what I'm gonna do for you today. Okay. <laughs> maybe we can maybe come back to this idea uh in the future of about like maybe me us one of us trying to diagnose the problems of another of each other. <laughs> Uh, but that's kind of where we are. This is something that when we spent time together in January in the before time that we mm. were talking about then, you were complaining to me about how you felt like your to-do system was really just out of whack. And a lot of my life is spent thinking about work, talking about work, and trying different work tools. I feel like I've tried them all at this point. I think what we need to do, though, if I'm going to be able to really help prescribe you something here, Wait, we need to You're mixing under- up your analogies. Yeah, I know. You can't prescribe as a mechanic. You have to uh, the diagnose, I think, is the correct term. Wait, isn't that the same? Okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I need to understand your current situation. Uh, all right. So I will say I have literally been asking for this for months, mm-hmm. and yet I have made zero progress in fixing any of this for months because as soon as you're like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, we'll do an episode on that, I completely stopped trying anything. Like, oh, okay, it's fine. I'll just let Mike save me. No, this is good because now, right, you are at the right point. You you have hit the desperation point, so you will oh, be yes. more likely to listen to, to what I have to say. I am an open book, my friend. Okay. So what are the parts of your working life do you feel are in disarray and explain to me how they are currently being managed okay so there are two aspects to my life which are organizationally a bit of a mess one much more so than the other okay so on the a little bit of an easier end something i feel a little bit better about is on the work side and specifically on the project management side Okay. So I use essentially three tools to manage the projects for videos here in the office, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a just a single Google Doc, which is just notes, right? Obviously not the best, wait, but essentially wait, I wait, have wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> hold, hold on. It's not, that, it's not as oh, bad as you think. This I, one's I promise. going to be a disaster. <laughs> uh, wait. So you have a Google, a Google Doc yes. called Notes? And what lives in notes? Inside this doc, I have a few different things. So I keep like my proto video ideas here. So literally a bunch of bullets for like random ideas for videos, ideas for podcast topics, just random stuff, which is not fleshed out or anything, just like sort of just general thoughts. And sometimes when I'm like coming up with like kind of upgrading them to like real ideas for a topic or something i'll pluck them out of this and sort of flesh them out so there's like a section of the doc which is just general thoughts and ideas about videos and topics right but i also keep in this same doc a list of where things are for myself so i use this so we have a monday meeting every week and so i use this doc as kind of like my single place to keep everything that needs to be mentioned at the meeting and anything that at that meeting I might want to talk about, right? So generally speaking, before a video 
becomes a real thing it's pitched at the meeting and other people also pitch their ideas and that's usually where i'll go okay you know i'm gonna pick out three or four of the ideas from my google doc pitch it to everyone see what everyone thinks and then from there it will be upgraded out of the doc and into a real video okay so you have like in this notes document is like content ideas but then i'm trying to work out what the difference is between the first and the second part what is what is the the pitching part like what is what does that look like so yeah so the ideas and then i also have uh just general notes for like the meeting right so like right you know hey everyone remember to file your health insurance or whatever like just some general sort of stuff it all kind of gets mixed together because what i'll do is i'll those ideas pretty much only get like talked about at the meeting so that's the process where if they don't get approved at the meeting and everyone's like oh okay cool we should make this thing then they never become anything bigger than that so sort of like that's kind of like my sort of catch-all for random things. Right. And then it'll kind See, of the thing from is, there. though, just because a meeting includes multiple things doesn't mean that all of these things have to live in the same place, <laughs> right? Like, yes. If, yes. You yes. Know, if you know that in the meeting you are going to talk about your video ideas, it is okay for you to have your meeting notes and your video ideas separate. It's not like if you didn't put the yep. meeting notes and the video ideas <laughs> in the same place, you would forget to bring up your video ideas. Well, right? what I do is I, I literally have I have a couple of lists. So like on the bottom page, I have my ideas. I just copy and paste the bullets up into my meeting uh, notes. I'll just have my video idea list. And I'll just go, mm, right, what but, videos but do I copy and paste? Copy also paste. Copy works. paste. <laughs> outside of one document right (laughs) it's very easy to so basically what i'm seeing with this this particular thing here is you are using i think the correct medium but in a way that i would consider to be not segmented enough okay okay i'll take that right i know my system is not good that's why i'm here at the Dr. Mike Hurley, Mechanic <laughs> Extraordinaire Help Center. <laughs> I'm a doctor who decided to become a mechanic. Yes. <laughs> all right. So is that all in Google Docs? Is that everything that lives in Google Docs or is there more in Google no, Docs? No, there's certainly... No, no, I'm not that bad. I have every... I have one doc in my entire Google Docs. So in addition to that, I also keep the fleshed out video ideas. So there's actually one step that I'm missing here. So yep. in between the actual doc itself like like my general like notes doc and then the actual video process we use Trello. Trello is something which we actually have only been using for I would say maybe 6 months or so. And essentially Trello is everyone on the team is a part of a Trello board and we have a few lists of projects, right? So essentially we'll have the ideas, we'll have uh the uh, ideas that are about to go to production that are in production, that are in post-production, and then that are done and ready to go for like thumbnails and titles and to be pushed live. And at the very end, we have those projects which need to then be archived from the server. So the Trello part is actually... a funny thing here to me, which is like, Uh Trello is the perfect tool for this. Right. Okay. For what you're doing. Okay. Good. Like because good. Trello is, a, is is based on an organizational system called Kanban, and it's effectively just here's a bunch of columns with headers, mm-hmm. and the headers can show many things. But for lots of teams, it's like a production flow. So you may have like, which I'm sure is what yours looks like, like script writing, shooting, mm-hmm. editing, post processing, right? That kind of thing. And you ha- each video. Exactly is a card and moves from 
moves through each stage and it means that yep. a team can be working on a large team can be working on multiple projects at the same time and you can visually look at it all all right great i'm pleased that you said this so but but the, the funny part of this is this is the right tool and it's because you're using it with other people yes. because you have to work with other people in this system you are using a good tool when you're left to your own devices many people are like this you left to your own devices I mean, this is this is like in anything if nobody's looking you can do whatever you want right <laughs> but, true but Very as soon true. as people start looking at you you have to like oh no i need to be a bit a bit smarter about this so i will i think we'll take a rather than listen to everything we'll maybe mm. try and try tackle this in some chunks right okay okay I think it would probably be a good idea for you to have a personal Trello where you keep oh. your video ideas. Oh. Because you can move cards to other boards. I see. Right. That would be so much easier than keeping it, copying, pasting at up and down a Google Doc and then deleting yeah. it when it gets upgraded to Trello. That's a much smarter idea. Because then you have the cards in, like, say, like Austin's private video ideas. <laughs> Maybe don't call it that. <laughs> uh, board. That's a different project. You need a really, like, enterprise-grade level security on that one. <laughs> but you, you can keep the cards, you can keep all the notes that you have related to each card, and then you can move it. And then that will stop any duplication of work, and you could just move it through, and then you have, like two Trello boards, which is really easy to manage. And then you have your personal one, you have the team one, and then you just move your personal ideas to the Trello board that's shared with everybody else. And then honestly, the Monday morning meeting notes, the agendas that you are putting, Google Docs is perfect for that. Okay. But I think having those two things in one document doesn't make, it doesn't really make any logical sense. Like if you, if you analyze it, right? Like I can see why you did it, but it may be that like you were onto an idea of like combining things in the same place, but maybe the better place is to have your content ideas in Trello and then so you're combining it there rather than in the document. Yes, because the thing is the Google Doc system predates Trello by like seven or eight years. For sure, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there is also a secondary component to the docs, which is what we do is we when we start writing scripts or notes or whatever the case is, there's a separate doc created for that. And that is yep. linked in the Trello. So anyone yep. can jump into that. That part works pretty well. But that is actually like the easy part of my of my issues because oh, from there was, it goes to yeah i'm sure <laughs> from there everything's like kept up in google calendar and it, it's not right. crazy like you said when their whole team's involved people have yelled at me enough where they're tired of not knowing where things are that we kind of had to get some organization mm -hmm. the problem though is on the personal side okay so but personal um, Personal will include work, though, right? Like you, you don't yeah, mean just like your grocery lists, although I'm sure you it include could include that. But you've yep. got your the work that you, the things you are responsible for, whether that is personal or business. Exactly right. Okay, so right now, the only task manager that I use is Apple Reminders, and. I have used Apple Reminders as my temporary solution for about four or five years now. Okay, I think our last episode could highlight a potential <laughs> issue with this mm. system. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so when I need to check a reminder, or when I get a uh, notification, 
it has to be on one of my Apple devices. And most days I either infrequently or don't use an iPhone at all. So I will make a note for myself. Hey, remember, for example, this morning to bring the podcast microphone into the studio. And that was only on my iPhone. So if I would have checked my Z Flip and forgot to check the iPhone in the morning, I would have completely missed that. So that is by far the biggest issue with me right now is Mm -hmm. that I have not only been using reminders, which only works on, you know, half of my devices, but also I've been using reminders as literally like a couple of catch all lists that I just throw things in and add notifications to because it's been temporary for so long. I've never set it up with anything more thorough than like I have life reminders. I have work reminders. When I need to remember to go pick something up, I'll throw it in the life. When I need to remember to send someone a video file or whatever, I'll throw it in work. And that's it. It is the most basic, confusing. I have... I Okay, I don't know if I should say this, but I just said it anyway. I have a reminder to go to the dentist that I put in the life reminders that has been overdue by a year and a half. Okay. That's the level of like, oh, I'll do that later. Ignore, 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 ignore. Now, like it's bad, I'm man. I'm going to tell it's you, bad. my friend, there is no system that I can suggest to you that will make <laughs> you go to the dentist, right? Like, the, the problem in this part is not uh, the fact that you're not checking the reminders. That's just because you don't want to go to the dentist. Which that is, is like, true. I feel you, right? Like, you know, there is there is an element of these things always kicking the can down the road. But the, the problem, yep. you have two issues with your system right now. And they are okay. both uh, due to the fact that you're not using the device. You, you do not have a reliable way of being notified. I mean, I know you right. use your Apple Watch, and I'm sure that... Mm, does the Apple Watch notify you of your Apple reminders if they're overdue? It do does. Do you have it set up? Okay. It does, yes. But I don't... Like, for reminders... Like, it, it, I definitely use the watch somewhat, but it doesn't really work well for seeing, like... I'll get a notification when I need to do a thing. But a lot of times I'll get notifications a couple times and I'll go like, oh, I need to do this today. I'll get yes. one at 11. Then I'll like delay it or something. It's not like a good place to actually look and I scroll think one through of the all best of my things. Things for any to-do app is it is it is a system where you have things that need to be done. So when you have time to do something, you go to the application and you see what is available for you to do. Right. right. Um, and, and there are like some fundamentals of productivity in there, which I'm not going to get into because it's, it's pointless. But uh, th- there's a lot of like you being able to have what you need in the place that you're at. Exactly. That some people get very deep with this in a way that I don't. But like, for example, only showing you work tasks when you're at the office and driving tasks when you're in the car, right? Like mm-hmm. you go into, but like, I don't do that kind of stuff. But like that is one of the fundamentals of productivity systems is to be able to allow you to do things like that. But, and the other problem that you have is uh, you do not have a capture method, which is reliable, which is a big, big problem. Because if you have okay. a thought, what you're probably doing is like, I've got to remember to write that one down. And then you don't. Or I put it in my Google Doc and it gets buried in uh, any yes, pages the of Google notes. Doc. How could I forget the Google Doc? <laughs> is that, is, so if you have like a thought of like a task, would yep. you put it in that Google Doc? Depends. Uh, if Depends, I, it, okay. yeah, yeah. Look, look, I told you it's a mess. I told you this is a big project. Uh, if my iPhone is handy or if I have an Apple device with the reminders app, I will yes. usually add it to reminders. But I would say half of the day it's not handy or it's not handy enough where like I would go walk over to a computer. So I'll just pull out my, my Z flip and I'll just type it in in a Google Doc. But usually I don't like, you're right. It's more so of like, unless it's a work related thing. I usually will just go, oh, I'll remember that later. And then 30% of the time, I actually do remember it later. Do you, though? 30% of the time, I remember. 
30 percent of the time that you're aware of you remember exactly that's exactly. the issue so one of the one of the reasons that i that i really kind of uh believe in these systems and why i think they're important to me is like having a reliable to-do system is i mm-hmm. have a very bad memory for for these types of tasks like for these like you know you have an idea oh i've got to remember to check this thing or hey what was that thing i was thinking about two days ago my, my memory is very poor for that so I rely on having a system where I put everything into as soon as it comes to my mind, right? Yeah. And that, is, that takes that. a lot of that. practice, but once you get used to that, it's like that's, that is very good for you. Now, I'm going to stop asking questions because I already know what I'm going to suggest you to use for this stuff. Oh, so okay. So th- I'm sure there is, there is more, but like for tasks, like I have a solution for you, which is gonna, it's just the, the solution for you. Because one okay. of the things that I was thinking about is uh, different platforms have solutions that work best on that platform. Sorry. So like iOS has a bunch of really nicely made options for, for to-do systems and task systems, but they only work on iOS, right? That's no good. Yeah. And there is some on Android that like way better on Android because of its ability to be more like customizable. And that's but you're not only on Android. You need something that's cross platform. So I recommend Todoist to you. Todoist. It is, Todoist. Okay. it is the app that I use and have used for years. So it's not just use this one because it's cross-platform and i don't only use it because it is cross-platform but it is a big benefit to me now which keeps me on todoist because if i'm using my android phone or i'm using my mac or my iphone or my it's on all of these things including available on the web so it is on okay everything and the company behind it do a good job of integrating stuff, right? So, like, all of the smart speakers, you can add tasks to it. Um, okay. I tend to find that not as great an experience as, as, like, ads would make it out to be. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, whatever device, add this to my task list. I never really feel like it works very well. But it, I know people that do it, and you can do it. But okay. Todoist is nicely designed. They do a good job of trying to be the best it can be on the platforms that it's on, especially mobile so, like, they, they integrate with stuff in Android. They integrate with stuff in iOS. Um, they have good themes, good dark modes. But what I really like about it is it's very easy to add tasks into it. Um, I have mm. a very simple system. Um, basically, every task gets a due date and time and then a project. Okay. That is my entire system, and that is what I recommend you try to use. The due dates and times, for me, are, like ideally when would i like to have this done but i allow myself to to move things around when necessary it's just so it's going in somewhere so i don't have a hundred tasks tomorrow okay okay because if you're just adding everything in and not giving it a time or a day it just lives in a list like a very very long list so Mm -hmm. the the two ways that i try and break this stuff down is by trying to assign it a day so therefore, you know, if, if some, sometimes you know things have to be done on a certain day or I try and guess, like, when do I think I will do this? Or Todoist has a good okay. way of when you're actually creating a task and you're choosing the day. It, like, shows you how many tasks you already have assigned to that day. Ah, perfect. Yeah, right? yeah. So when you're going into the calendar and choosing a time, it's like you have three that day, four that day, so you can, like, choose where you want things to be. And then also having projects is things are, like, they're segmented. So, like, if you... 
are working on stuff for the podcast, you can just go into your podcast project. Or if you're working on uh, admin for your company, you just go to the admin project and you'll see all of the tasks that you have available based on the projects that you've created for yourself. Okay. This sounds exactly... Because what I was really hoping for was some kind of, yeah, like dashboard or something because so many... like fragmentation feels like almost my biggest issue because i have so many things spread across so many things like i mean i'm not gonna lie as you're telling me this stuff i'm writing down notes in my google doc right now but for real like this sounds like exactly what i was hoping that you will be able to help me with because it's just yeah. i want to be able to easily keep track of like you said the different tasks in my life between podcasts between video between admin between life and having an easy place where they can all be merged together so i can see what all is happening today but i can also get easy to do's across the individual things I'm like okay i'm going to sit down and do some some tax stuff today i can see all the other things that are listed there with various yeah. due dates is perfect yeah, so you can you can open up each project, you can sort them by due date or name or whatever when you're in each like specific project. My favorite feature is they have a, a something called upcoming, where it just shows you in chronological order, starting today and going down into the future, every task you have available on a day, and mm. you can also like select by day, you can select by month, and it, I like the they, basically it's just like a long list. I think it's like it will show you up to three months of every task you have set on every day. And I really like to live that way because, for example, I can look at something and be like, let me see what I have over the next few days. I can move stuff around as I know kind of then what my calendar's looking like and knowing how free I am and that kind of stuff. So that system really works for me. Um, And it is a little bit more work to every time you add a task, assign it a day and a project. But Mm -hmm. eventually you just get used to doing that every time. But like, I would 100% say like, if you're going to start with a system like this, you you really should be like, all right, get a task, assign a day, assign a project. Got it. Because once you get into that flow, it becomes very useful. But if, you, if you're just going to basically use an app like this and then just put everything without any sort of sorting, you're not going to get the use out of it. Like in mm-hmm. that, you may as well use something like reminders or google keep or you know like basic to do systems like task lists or like just like reminder lists like they're they're much more simple where todoist is more of a productivity system it's more of a project management tool as opposed that's exactly what i need and and there are like if you want to go into project management it's like a whole other level of much more complicated stuff but Mm. i don't think you need that i think what you need is is this tool for this will be for you can keep all of your tasks in here. You can keep all of your reminders. You can keep lists of stuff, right? So, like, if you have a grocery list, you can put it in here. Just Then just don't assign times to it and just put it in a project. So it's like groceries. Okay. And then you yeah. go to the grocery project and you have a list of stuff that you can check off. It's nice and easy. That's perfect. So what I like about this is that it takes a lot of what I do legitimately like about reminders, the Apple Reminders app, and that I can have sort of my individual tasks. I can add, for example, exactly that. I have a grocery list that I always keep in there. So anytime I'm randomly like, oh, I'm out of toothpaste, I just throw it on the grocery list. And the next time I'm at the store, I just go through it. Yeah. But then I also use the life and the work sort of tabs to set reminders for myself of like, oh, don't forget you have to go do this or that. And I also do take advantage of the calendar. But what I prefer to do is for anything besides like a call or whatever, I like to have that kind of stuff 
in a reminder app of some kind just because i feel like to me it's a lot easier to be able to look at it at a glance and use the calendar more so for like long-term planning and like oh i have a shoot at 3 p.m when i need to be here or whatever the case Wait, is if you have a call with someone you don't put it in your calendar i do no no no. absolutely i do that oh. but when i need to call some like so say i need to call uh, the bank yes, or yes, something yes, like that yes yes where, yeah. where you are in control rather than exactly i was gonna say that you're doing that wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i keep i keep all my calendars and uh, in a google doc you know it's fine i just <laughs> Look, remember, remember point, call mike <laughs> could be anything right that you're doing trello for ideas Yep. Right for video ideas, that's great. That lives in that system. We now have Todoists for tasks and to dos and reminders. All of those in one bucket now. Perfect. You mentioned calendar. Yes. What is your calendar world? It's straightforward. It's okay. Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and I use the standard Google Calendar app across right. iOS and Android and the web and whatnot. Um, I have a f- couple of calendars. It's actually not that complex. So I have a personal calendar. Where I will, you know, put on like, oh, my wife has a doctor's appointment. I'm going to put that on the personal calendar. Mm-hmm. And then I have a couple of company calendars that are shared with everyone. So, and it's really simple. It's a production calendar. So like, and it's not super well kept up. I will say I could definitely do a little bit of a better job. But generally speaking, like, you know, tomorrow we have a shoot at X thing or whatever at 3 p.m. or whatever. And that's on the company-wide sort of production calendar. And that's shared with everybody, I assume. Was shared right? with yeah. everyone, yes. And then we have a, just a general dates calendar, which is used for different things but it's usually more so for like videos need to be posted at this day or they need to be due for review on this day or whatever the case is so it's pretty much split into production and kind of everything else so it it might not be great and i will definitely say sometimes videos don't make their way onto the calendar and i instead use trello with the um with the reminders of like oh this thing is due next week or whatever and sometimes it all sends up in my Google Doc as far as like, don't forget to post this video on Wednesday. So, right, you see, but now that needs to become a task, right? Because yes, like, exactly. putting something in your Google Doc is like, oh, I need to be reminded of this. The Google Doc does nothing to remind yep. you. The Google Doc yep. just sits there. Exactly. Right. The Google Doc's not reminding you. You have to remember <laughs> to go to the Google Doc before and hopefully see it, you know? Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. You know what I will say about stuff like Todoist, Google Calendar, Trello, you use Slack, right, for your company? Yes. Okay, you can, all of these services have bots and good hooks of web Mm. automation. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. can integrate all of this stuff into your Slack. So for example, if Ken asks you, can you do this thing? You can have a Todoist integration where you just type into Slack, like the the event, like the task. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Our Slack is very bare bones. That would be super helpful. All of these web tools have integrations or you can use like services like Zapier or IFTTT to build your own. Mm-hmm. It's like this is one of the like this is one of the things that drew me to Todoist in the first place is that it was that it had its hooks in the web. So like there are options available there to you. So stuff like for Trello, Google Calendar and Todoist, I would look at their like Slack integrations and stuff because it can really help you tie a lot of these things together. Hmm. Mike, this is, uh, you're getting the wheels turning. I hope so. I feel like for so long, Reminders has been my temporary solution. I know that there's a better way. I've listened to 100 episodes of Cortex, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I know that there's better things out there, 
But it's always been a thing where I'm like, oh, I'll get to that later. I'll deal with it later. And I'd never really quite known where to start. You needed to be podcast shamed. Yes. <laughs> Dude, yes. Yes. But the thing is like, it's been fine. But every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I forgot I'm going to do this thing. And I'm like, you know, like a couple days ago, right? I had three different tasks I had to do in the day. Mm-hmm. And they were split up across my dock the calendar and Trello. And I forgot two of them because I wasn't aware of it. And then suddenly my morning, which was super leisurely was like, Oh no, I have to go do this. I have to do that. It's not a, it's not a good system. Right. And I've just never gotten around to actually fixing it. But I feel like this is exactly what I need. Reminders can do the job, but not across all my devices, not across all your devices. That's the issue for you. Like somebody who just lives their life on like modern Apple platforms, Apple rewrote reminders last Mm -hmm. year, like with iOS 13 to include a lot of the basic functionality that I'm talking about projects, really good, like lists and all that kind of stuff. Because reminders kind of was really getting kind of old Mm -hmm. at that point. So like, you know, it is possible for someone to do all of this stuff just using reminders Google Keep, I have played around with ah. and have not found it to be. It's basic. Yeah. It, Google Keep is kind of like a very decent, simple task list application and note keeping application. It is closer to Apple Notes than it is mm-hmm. to Reminders, from my experience. Like, because, you know. In Apple Notes, you can have lists of stuff. And I mean, it doesn't have notifications, which I think Google Keep can do. Mm-hmm. But I've not really been happy with Google Keep, even as no. like a note taking application, honestly. I would say one of the biggest pain points for me, and I think I've mentioned it on the show already, with um, trying to be more cross platform, is good note app replacements, where mm-hmm. Apple Notes, I haven't found anything that's even close to that which is cross-platform um which is a real shame like so i i'm still keeping all my stuff in apple notes and i've tried lots of things and there are options you know like evernote uh, notion even google docs are options for notes applications but the experience is just not really what i want um yeah which is an easy way to like save links to a document and stuff like that, which which Apple Notes is just like super good for that. So I know before I switched temporarily over to Apple Reminders, I did use Google Keep for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also used to use Clear back in the like what iOS six days, mm-hmm. something like that, or mm-hmm. even iOS seven. Like it was a while ago. And like I liked Clear, but I feel like Clear the company closed for a while and now they're back or something or it was it was abandoned right yeah but i believe that they are working on it again but clear is like the most basic grocery mm-hmm. list type application it's beautiful but like it's it's focus Super is simple. like not a productivity app just like here's a list like of things that you might want to do and for some right. some people that's all they need right like a system like the one that i'm recommending to you is definitely overkill for some people but I can't fathom how you are running a company that employs multiple people (laughs) (laughs) effectively uh, while uh, living your life the way that you are. So I feel like really I'm doing a service for your coworkers here. You are. (laughs) Look, I'm not going to lie. Like part of the reason why I've realized this is such a problem is not just because I'm having problems. It's because everyone keeps telling me I'm having problems, Everyone's having problems with you. That's the issue. (laughs) If you were left on your own, you'd just be using this Google Doc forever. And like that might work for you, but there is an inherent issue when like people rely on you for things, you're dependent on things. Right. It can be really frustrating to be the bottleneck. Yeah. 
And so, like, having a better capture and review system is the helpful thing here. Like, that's what you want to be able to, to be able to provide. I mentioned Slack, but, like, are there any other communication apps that you use? Like, other messaging, other email, or just email yeah. in general? So, yeah, so Slack is definitely the primary means of communication, especially now that sort of everyone's at home, sort of it's become a lot more important. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, because before, like, it was, we would use Slack, but, I mean, everyone was in the same office. We were all, you know, within, you know, we were all in the same room, essentially. So it was mm. easy enough to say, hey, where's this thing? Here's where's that thing, or whatever the case is. Slack has obviously become way, way more important recently. Are you uh, communicating anywhere else? Or is it just, like, are you having, like, video calls and stuff? Yeah, so we use Google Meet for video calls. Um, not super happy with. I know that they've had some capacity issues recently, so that's how we've been doing for the last month or two. Our uh, our Monday meetings is everyone jumps on a Google Meet call. Uh, fine, uh, not great. I've been considering switching over to something like Teams, or I'm not really a huge fan of Zoom. But for the for the video side, it's been fine since that's really just sort of like a once a week kind of thing. But the other aspect is definitely email. And email, I actually feel reasonably good about it because we use Spark. Now, I, mm-hmm. I believe you use Spark as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy with Spark. It works well across uh, different devices. They have Android support now, which I know they didn't have up until, I believe, like a year or so ago. Um, it works really well. It keeps kind of everything sort of organized. I have random issues with the filters sometimes where like I'll clear out my inbox on one device. I'll check another device like the next day and a bunch of emails somehow magically filtered their way back up into like my, my personal category or whatever. And I don't understand. I feel like there's some syncing issue between the devices, not keeping the actual lists together, but generally speaking, it works well. And we do take advantage of like, sometimes I get like a sponsor email and then I will send it to Ken and use. Oh, that's, that's yeah. Great. Yeah. The spark little, I don't know what they call it, but the integration where you can like send like mini messages. They're like a delegation and sharing. And that's, exactly. that's why I use it. Like I, I use it with our sales manager and it is very, very good. Like being able to share stuff that way, like works excellently. Yeah. So I, I like spark. I mean, it, it's not perfect. I still, on occasion, like for example, the only place I don't use Spark is on Windows. And on Windows, I just use the Gmail web app, which mm. actually has some advantages. It's not terrible, but I don't obviously have multiple inboxes. It's not as sort of smooth. So that is probably the only issue with Spark is that I don't have a Windows client for it because it works well on Mac, works well on iOS, on iPad, Android. Yeah, and they don't have a web environment either. Not that I know of, yeah. So that's, that's the only problem. But realistically, when it comes to email... 95% of the time I'm on a non-Windows platform, so that's fine. I yep. have actually used uh what is it? What's the uh Microsoft email? Not OneNote. Outlook. Outlook. Thank you. I haven't heard that in a while. I actually used to use Outlook before Spark. There's a couple years that I was kind of in the wilderness. I used Outlook on not only Windows and Mac, but also on iOS, and I liked it. But Spark kind of felt a little bit more modern. I feel like they've continuously sort of kept it up to date. But I know some people do like Outlook even with non-sort of Microsoft email addresses. Yeah, Outlook on Android and iOS is much nicer than Outlook on Windows. Really? In my experience. Yeah, I have found hmm. Outlook to still on the, on the desktop feel quite old. Where, uh, like yeah. it still feels like the old Outlook, 
where mm-hmm. on mobile they've really pushed it to feel like a modern application. Well, like the, the old the desktop outlook is getting better, but it still feels a little like too corporate feeling for me in a yeah. way that that I'm not like. And like when I say corporate, flashbacks, I, yeah, like like we used to use um, like Lotus Notes. Oh, oh was, okay. You know, and it feels like that. That's what that's what Outlook still feels like to me. Because really, like like with a lot of Microsoft products on Windows, like on the desktop, they are they have been iterative, right? So mm-hmm. they've been building on them over time. I mean, this is just Microsoft's problem with all of their software stuff, right? It's like their customers rely on them to provide a consistent experience and not change things up too much. So the desktop stuff stays a little bit closer to how it's always been where the right. platforms that are newer like the mobile platforms they can really flex their design a bit more like and i'm sure that again i think they're trying it again right with surface no with windows is it windows x it's a good question i think they call it windows actually how do you say that because it's not 10 because windows 10 already exists right but there's uh, that new version of windows windows 10x that's it which is even more confusing. I've actually never said it out loud. Is it's, it? It's got to be 10x. They're surely not calling it 1010. Mac OS 10 ruined me. I yep. never read X's seriously. I'm always like, wait, is it X? What? We could just call it 1010. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's <laughs> what they're calling it. But I think you're using the right email application. Okay. Okay. That. You know what? This is not as bad as I was afraid it was going to be. I was afraid I was going to come into One this. One out of four wasn't too bad. Yeah. Like we have Trello. We obviously have Slack. We have Spark. Um, Google Calendar. I mean, I guess, do you, do you have another recommendation? Like, I haven't really had any issues with the Google Calendar app itself. I mean, it's perfectly serviceable. Is there another calendar app I should consider, or is that just kind of okay? I do not have any options for you for Android or Windows. Okay. Um, I use Fantastical on my Apple devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also a little bit stuck with calendars because I have a bunch of my personal calendars that are iCloud calendars. So I like, uh, can't use those anywhere else. Right, so right. I'm I'm a little bit stuck for calendars, right? Like you were okay. stuck for reminders. But mm-hmm. that's something that would be easier to move away from if I wanted to. But the main reason I've ever made a change is I haven't found a calendar app on Android yet that I am happy with. But the Google yeah. Calendar app really does service itself as a as a perfectly fine calendar yeah. application. It's totally fine. It's not great, but it like I have no real issues with it. I do like the Android version more than the iOS version, yes. and I like the web app more than both. Mm-hmm. But like for calendars, it's it's been fine. I like uh, especially on the Z Flip on my second page, I have like a little calendar widget where I can just quickly scroll through. Honestly, every morning that's the very first thing I do is I just swipe over and I just scroll through my little widget to see what's going on. I like that sort of ease of use. Todoist has a widget. Oh, so you can ooh. you can also have a page where you could just scroll over and see what your tasks are. You know, I think I'm going to do is I'm going to set up my second uh, page on my home screen to be just literally calendar and Todoist, mm-hmm. and that's just like I swipe over there. Okay, here's all the work stuff. Here's what's going on, and I'll swipe over the next page and play my stupid games. That sounds like yeah. a perfect use of my phone with that, that is wonderful exactly Z Flip. What you should be doing. <laughs> that's how it works. I, th- I feel like we've helped you today, Mike. This has been immensely helpful. I just needed your guidance. I'm going to check in with you, though. I'm, this isn't just like one of these things where like, I, th- I, I believe that you're just going to do all of this, because I don't. So I will be no, checking no. in with you. 
I need this. I've literally been putting it off because I needed the guiding hand of a true master in this art to teach me the ways and mm-hmm. to point me in the right directions because I've been lost in the wilderness. I haven't known where to start. I've looked at all of these different options. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It doesn't work on Android. Oh, that's cool. I don't know if that's powerful enough or I don't even understand how this works. This is exactly the guidance I needed to get my life back on track, Mike. Thank you very much. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Modern Workplace, a podcast from Microsoft. I love finding new podcasts to listen to. It's one of my very favorite things. Recently, you all found this new podcast to listen to. Um, I really like finding shows these days that help broaden my horizons in some way, um, whether that be listening to stuff that I don't really know much about or things that I'm interested in in topic areas that I'm in, but from various viewpoints or from people that have a different set of skills and knowledge to me. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, Modern Workplace is a monthly podcast that discusses digital transformation and the future of productivity, which is perfect for this episode. Each episode brings you access access to business and technology leaders who are creating the future. Every episode will feature a focused topic, a deeper conversation with a Microsoft corporate vice president, plus related news and updates. And just so you have an idea of what to expect, I want to tell you about some of the topics that you might be interested in that were on previous episodes. They've talked about artificial intelligence, remote work, and the art of teamwork. I listened to that episode very recently, the art of teamwork episode, and I really enjoyed it. Like if this is something that feels important right now from a technological perspective, but also from a people perspective, giving an idea of where the trends are going I actually like that they speak with senior people at Microsoft. These are interesting people to hear from. They give perspectives of how people get their work done. Microsoft's a massive company, so they have a wide breadth of experiences to share. And something that's important to me, the podcasts sound really good, like they're super well produced. That is important. I like good sounding shows. Go and listen right now. Just search for Modern Workplace wherever you get your podcasts. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E. Modern Workplace, or just click the link in the show notes. You can go check it out there. Our thanks to Modern Workplace and Microsoft for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, before we wrap up today's episode, uh, I want to touch on the iPhone SE a little bit because I'm sure you're seeing this way more than I am, even. It is like the internet's champion, well, depending on the, cl- the camp that you're yeah, in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, at the surface, when you look at the iPhone SE, it's an iPhone 8 with an upgraded processor, right? Yep. And a lower price tag. Not a crazy complicated phone, especially considering that the design is uh, aged at this point. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you have people who are like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I hate it. Like, it's weird that something which is a very simple phone is so polarizing on people like, this is the greatest budget phone in the universe. Everyone should buy it. And everyone else is like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Why are they trying to sell me this old design? It's a very bizarre, polarized world we live in for what's a phone that shouldn't be. Like, it's a really straightforward phone. Like, I don't yep. get it. This is this is why, like, a lot of the kind of attention around it kind of surprised me. Because I feel like mm-hmm. I knew what this phone was going to be, right? Like, right. It was, it was going to be what they made, which is an iPhone 8. Like there was a lot of conversation about it maybe potentially just being called the iPhone 9 and not the SE at all, right? Like that was like a there was mm-hmm. a lot of rumors or suggestions around that. Because, you know, it is what it is, right? Like it is as you mentioned, and as you mentioned in your video, it's a part spin phone. And right you can uh you can take that to mean a bad thing. 
if you want to, and a lot of people reference it that way. But Apple's parts bin is a very good parts <laughs> bin to be drawing. Yeah, from. they got a, cu- a couple of cool things in there, right? And the, the the most interesting one for right now, but I think it is telling for how Apple do view this phone going into the future, is the fact that it has the A13 processor, which is in the current flagship phones. Now, this is great for right now, but what it means is that this phone will be around in its current configuration for quite some time. Right? right, because I know a lot of people, when you look at, like, for example, the iPhone SE, which I think is currently the only version of that 4-inch screen which is still supported in iOS. Mm-hmm. I know some people are disappointed because, like, oh, you know what? Everyone's going to switch over in the next couple of years. Everything will be using the new swipey interface and everything. But the fact is we have this brand new iPhone SE around the home button not going anywhere for a very long time. iOS support for that kind of style of screen not going anywhere anytime soon. But like, it's fine. Like, there are legitimate advantages to that design. Mm-hmm. While, yeah, it might not be as small as the original SE, this is the smallest, like, decently specced phone you can get, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know Marquez used to have a, an award. I, th- I think he still may even have it of, like, the best compact phone, right? And obviously the SE was that for a while because no one really made really good, high-quality, small phones. I think he gave the compact phone award to, like, the smaller flagship iPhone at one point. Because there, yes! there is a, <laughs> right? It's, like, not compact by any stretch of the imagination. But of the stuff that was released in that year, was that one of the smaller phones? Because Android right. phones are getting bigger and bigger all the time, right? Because it is what people want a lot of the time. Exactly. And it's like, for me, I, as a proud member of the Z Flip gang, appreciate a smaller phone. And the SE makes a lot of sense as a, not only a budget device, but that that form factor has kind of, while in some ways when you look at like the bezels, that has not aged well at all, but in other aspects of the size and some of the features. So I think a lot of comparisons have been made with the Pixel 3a and the upcoming Pixel 4a. And I think one of the things that people miss there is, yeah, the easy one is the spec, right? Obviously, the iPhone is much, much, much more powerful than not only the Pixel, but literally any other Android device out mm-hmm. there. But the thing that I almost find is almost as important is some of the stuff that you get with that iPhone 8 design. This thing has water resistance. That's not something you get on budget phones very often. It has wireless charging. Again, a feature that I legitimately really appreciate in my life. Whereas on the Pixel, it might have that great camera, but it also has a plastic build, which yeah. is fine. I was surprised to see the wireless charging, honestly. Right. Like, that didn't feel like a lock to me. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised to see it. Like, yes, they should. All iPhones should have wireless charging as an option in them now because it's 2020, especially if it's a new phone. But it didn't feel like it was necessarily going to have it because it feels like an additional expense. Right, and you look at something like the OnePlus Seven, yeah, which is a phone nearly double the price. Although I guess if you're in India, it's actually the OnePlus Seven is cheaper because that's crazy. I don't understand. Like, obviously, different countries, like India, prices are weird for a lot of reasons because they have not only huge tariffs on phones that are imported to India, but also if you make your phone in India, the way I understand it, get you get significant. Exactly, yeah, you get significant price savings. So. While, yes, in some markets like India, the iPhone SE is probably a terrible value. But here in the United States and for the most of the rest of the world, it is a phone which is about half the price or a little bit less than half the, or a little bit more than half the price of the OnePlus 8. And it has things like water resistance, like yep. wireless charging. And that's something that I really legitimately appreciate. Yeah, the bezels are a little um, iffy. But dude, Touch ID. 
What a perfect time for Touch ID. I know. Touch ID is getting its resurgence at this point. Like, it's been so nice. So one of the things I love about the Z Flip is that when I'm out and I have my mask on, I love just being able to use the fingerprint sensor. Mm -hmm. I look legit with the iPhone because I use a long passcode, so it's not even like a simple one. A lot of times I'll be like, if no one's around, I'll take my mask off, use Face ID and put the mask back on. That's horrible. I shouldn't have to do that. (laughs) That's not cool. But it's like this is one of the unfortunate things about the pandemic that we're in. It's like it is un- unearthing all this technology that we lived with, like how bad webcams are, right? Like we just lived yeah. with it because it wasn't that important for most people. But now we're like, oh, yeah, right? Like you can kind of understand why like the iPhone ten initially wasn't that popular in some Asian markets. Yeah. Like, where the, where mask wearing is more norm- is more a part of normal day life because they didn't want that. I mean, initially, they, a lot of these countries ended up warming up to it because they ultimately wanted the new iPhone. But it mm-hmm. was maybe a harder sell initially because it was it was going to be more difficult. Did you Absolutely. see the, uh, it, that in iOS 13.5, Face ID detects if you're wearing a mask yeah. and just immediately shows you the passcode thing, which I thought was kind of cool, but it's obviously still not Touch ID. I mean, it's a good step forward. I I love that 13.5 is pretty much entirely filled with like current events things of like, we're going to include tracking and mask reduction. (laughs) You can say coronavirus on the podcast. YouTube isn't here to take your ads away. It's all okay. right, all right. We can say it. We can say I'm it. very scared, Mike. I'm very scared. I know. That, I'm that. sure you're very not used to at this point, like having I'm to dance around out of the it. word, but like, it's okay. <laughs> but dude, the SE is great. Like it's, it's great to me that I can wholeheartedly recommend an iPhone, which is 400, $450 really. If you want to yep. upgrade to the yep. 128, which is really what you should do. It's such a good price. It's such a good phone. Like the, mm. the compromises you make for buying the SE are so minimal. Like it's it's like when you look at the original SE, which was also at that same $400 price point, that was in a day where the flagship of its time was 200 maybe $250 more, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the flagship of today is over double the price, right? Even the iPhone 11, which is sort of like was a decent price and like honestly I recommended it when it first came out last year at $700, is still almost double the price. Like you look at how stretched out the high end of the market has been, and the fact is we have something which is so competent, so good in so many ways at that $400 price tag, and it's from Apple, what kind of world do we live in where OnePlus's cheapest new phone is $700 and Apple just brought out a great new phone at 400 Like, what? Yeah, I mean, there is obviously like, and I think there is room still for OnePlus to come in with another model, right? And that seems like it would be the logical thing, I guess. And it is. Um, but they haven't done it yet because I guess they don't want to take all the wind out of the sails of these new phones. But it, mm. it does open up this like st- this super strange paradox that, we've that that the phone market has found itself in where like the best cheap phone you can buy is made by apple and like four hundred dollars is a great price for a number of reasons the the number one reason being is that delta between it and the stuff that's above it because you could they could have priced this at 500 and it was still going to be a good deal yeah yeah i agree it would not have been a crazy buy at 450 or 500 but the fact that it's 400 means that i'm sure apple's going to make a good amount of money and ultimately they're probably going to get more people to sign up for icloud and buy apps which is really seems like the Mm -hmm. game they're playing now but i think when you look at it from a a broader market perspective the se has pretty much destroyed the mid-range 
of phones. You either are a decent bit cheaper with something like Realme, or you are significantly more expensive because there's so little competition now that can really hang with that SE. I mean, there are issues with it. It's certainly not a perfect phone. And I, I would still say if money is no object, an 11 or an 11 Pro is a better iPhone. But a lot of the things you're giving up aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. Like There's two markets that this phone will sell incredibly well in, and it, it makes it a genius move for Apple to continue pushing on it. And it's the market of like the person who doesn't have the available money to spend on a phone that's two to three times the size, right? Like two to three times yeah. the price, which is obviously a significant market that deserves to be catered to. And the other market is people like my dad who text yeah. me to tell me he bought one. Oh, he did? Like on the day it came out. I mean, my dad was wow. running an, the old iPhone SE. He he is a carpenter <laughs> and the, the camera was full of sawdust uh, oh. the like he cracked the screen so bad the home button was nearly falling out like it was a disaster <laughs> over there and like he bought one and he got it with Apple on interest free credit for sixteen pounds a month. Damn. Right. Like that's so. This is the market that Apple's playing into. Right. Like there's there's a bunch of like reasons for this that might be too boring for me to get into on this show about like Apple's kind of spread and the fact that the iPhone isn't growing anymore, right? Like that that means that they might want to increase their overall offering, which is why it is possible that by the end of this year, Apple will actually release four new phones. Like that is a which is very strong crazy. possibility. But it is them trying to make sure they're covering every single price point now because that is what their competitors do. And it will enable Apple to continue to maintain and potentially grow. But this phone appeals to those markets so well. And it's also a good phone. It is. But if you are the person that wants to own an SE, the new SE, the best time to buy it is right now. Because it's going to keep getting older. So the thing that really struck me and what really kind of drove the video I did. So I, I, I did the dear iOS and dear Android users yeah, on back to back, you know, nice. one talking about OnePlus and Z Flip, one talking about the iPhone SE. But I think my real takeaway from both of those videos was that phones are as complicated and, and sort of interesting and cool in so many ways as they are. They're actually pretty straightforward in a couple of ways. They are a portal to your apps, right? And especially as I've spent a lot of time switching between Android and iOS, so much of it is so similar that it doesn't make a huge difference what the actual operating system underpinning it is Mm -hmm. for the vast majority of your use. And so if you have support for all of your apps and like a passable screen and decent speakers and a good camera, The rest of it doesn't matter that much. I mean, sure, you might want a little bit more battery life or you might care about some of the niceties like the wireless charging and like the water resistance. But at the end of the day, you can see this, especially in markets like China, where something like WeChat is absolutely the dominant force where like the phone just runs WeChat and you kind of have a couple of other things on the side, right? A lot of other places are really quickly catching up to that. I found out recently that like, there's like stuff in India as well. Like, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the application off the top of my head. I only found out about it like a few days ago because Facebook just invested in this company. But oh, it's like, yes, it's like a similar thing where like this company actually provides internet service and also um, is like a portal. And they've they have like a uh, 
e-commerce platforms and stuff, and they're tying into uh, WhatsApp and stuff in uh, Geo, J-I-O. Geo. Like, mm-hmm. an, I hadn't heard of it before, but like it's like another one of these where like in, in a lot of developing markets, the hardware is becoming less and less important because, or at least the operating system, I should say, is becoming less and yeah. less important because it's about do you have the application that, that yeah. we all need to interact with our day? And if you don't have that, then it's pointless. Exactly. As long as you have some of the basics, like no matter what, you need a good camera. But that's quickly becoming a less and lesser of an issue as generally speaking, even pretty budget phones have at least decent cameras, right? Like the mm-hmm. Delta is nowhere near as huge as it used to be. And you have those other creature comforts. It doesn't really matter. And I think that is why, in large part, Apple feels like they did need to bring the SE at that $400 price point. Because you can't continuously sell $1,000 flagships forever when at the end of the day, while, yeah, it might be a little bit better here and a little bit better there, and it ultimately is a status symbol for a lot of people, but it doesn't matter when you can spend a quarter as much money and get almost the exact same experience with whichever app or platform or experience that really resonates with you. And I think one of the things that cannot be said enough about this iPhone, and I'm sorry that this upsets people, right? Uh-oh. But Apple update their phones. Oh. For a long time. <laughs> I right? can't believe we didn't even talk about that. Like, this is one of the key reasons to buy an iPhone anyway, is the fact that you are going to be effectively guaranteed many, many, many years of use. Like, for a lot of people, their phone would continue to get updated past the point that they would even be willing to use that phone anymore. Right. right. And that has knock on effects later, too, because obviously there's a huge secondary market for these yes. phones so that the iPhone SE, someone buys it, uses it for two or three years, turns around, sells it. Someone else can then use it for two, maybe even three years and still have updates through that entire life cycle. And it retains the value if you do want to sell it, which is not the same for all Android phones. I think Samsung Absolutely. do a pretty decent job of retaining value because they're so desirable. Does it Somewhat. not? Somewhat. It, it, better than a lot of other phones, but it still drops more steeply yeah. than a lot of iPhones. And I, I think one of the things that really Apple deserves credit for is not only the fact that they update their products, but they update them day and date, right? The iPhone 15 is going to get iOS 17 the exact same day as your iPhone SE that you bought right now for $400, right? Like that's a really impressive thing. And while, yeah, you're going to miss out on some of those cool new features that they bring out with that new hardware, which is tied together, but the vast majority of the updates you get with iOS work across all of the phones, the updated apps, all that kind of stuff is always sort of built in. And on the Android side, even so I was, I was curious about this because I, obviously you hear stories about like, oh, I only got like one update and you know, you only got a year of support or whatever. You hear all these horror stories. So when I was making the video, I was like, you know what? How bad is this really, right? Like surely it's not a huge issue. And as I looked, most companies at this point have pretty much committed to about two years of updates, right? And some companies will give you more or less than that. And some companies will even say, I'll give you two years of like main updates, but then I might only give you security updates after that for another few months, whatever the case is. And certainly some phones and carriers will get the updates at different rates. So actually I know my Z Flip only got the April security update a couple of days ago and it's the beginning of May. But when you look at all that, even the best case scenario on Android, which would be the Google Pixel line, 
they supported the original Pixel for a year longer than they said they would, and it's still not anywhere close to what something like the iPhone success has seen. It, like you're talking about years difference between even the best of the Android phones around for support, and even something as cheap and simple as the four hundred dollar iPhone SE. But it's like you can you can show those lists, right? Like that Samsung will produce whatever. It's like that's great. Like that's a good point. I will get the updates. But it is about when, right? Like there is mm-hmm. no stage release for Apple. When iOS 14 yeah. comes out, every device that will support iOS 14 will get it on the same day. Or there are occasions where it's been like a couple of days difference. But that is in the very worst case scenario that they would be putting it out. I mean, we may see it this year, right? That like there might be like a one week difference between iPhone and iPad again or something like that because of various extenuating circumstances. But that's as much as it's ever going to be, right? It's like right. an incredibly small delay, which Apple will be very clear about with you, right? <laughs> which is yeah. not the experience that I have had with even the Samsung, the two folding phones that I have bought from Samsung in the last year or like last couple of years, <laughs> right? Like my Galaxy Fold, like it just does, it's just, all right, well, am I ever going to get Android 10 on this device? Or? Wait, wait, you don't have Android 10 on the Fold yet? I don't think so. What? You've got to be kidding. Oh, no, it hit, it hit at the end of March. Okay, okay. I'm going to say, that. Wait, wait, still though, end of March? That's almost yeah. nine months for a simple or somewhat simple software update for a $2,000 phone? Exactly. That's a, that's a perfect example. If yep. Samsung, when you spend $2,000 on their futuristic folding phone, can't deliver a software update within six months, like... Come on, we, we've got yeah, a problem here. When the $400 iPhone SE is able to give you updates for years and years and years the second that the newer phones get it. Like, that's a legitimate problem. That's not okay. <laughs>